0: Greetings, fellow human, and welcome to episode 19 of Dad College. My name is Cam, and I am joined across our, uh, well, our table, really. Yes. Mm, <laughs>
1: that was very disappointing.
0: <laughs> the table's not just my introduction. Uh, what's up, Dave? How's it going, man?
1: Uh, it's good. Um, Yeah. Summertime's here, and kids are busy as ever doing their summer activities, and I have a 17-year-old that is... Very independent and I mostly communicate with her via text, it seems like these days. You're such a millennial, Dave. (laughs) Well, she I don't even know what she is. She's not a millennial. She's a
0: Yeah, somehow I am and I don't quite understand that. (laughs) So I like just sneak in the top end. Oh really? Being a millennial. And I was like growing up, I'm like, wasn't I like Generation X or something? I don't how does this
1: Yeah, that's it's all made up, frankly. It's very made up. So but
0: Take that, sociologists! Ha <laughs> So, anyways, um, now that I've done that, um,
1: Howard, are you, you're good. I'm doing outside well, of you know the independent children. Yes, summer treating you well. Summer's been very well. Yeah,
2: and you? Ah, uh, good. We uh, went
0: to Chicago last mm-hmm. week. The weather was amazing. It was it's rainy. Raining. It was rainy <laughs> and in the seventies. Which is like March here, yeah. but it was June that was magnificent. I loved it. Um, no, but doing doing all right. Um, you know, the summer doesn't really change much for us as of yet. We still have a few years before that becomes a a uh, game changer. Um, but you know, we're back in the swing of things. Today is our first day, first full day back. So trying to adjust to that, and we're getting our back door replaced. Our our sliding door mm-hmm. in our house because they don't build them like they used to, man. <laughs> and opening our door sounds like, what's a good analogy? Uh, it sounds like what I imagine an old Studebaker that it hasn't been started in 30 <laughs> years. <laughs> but that's just, you know, it dragging across the ground. Uh, and it's also leaking water into our basement, you know, and causing uh-huh. damage to the drywall and yes. such. So... That I was supposed to be miles at 8.30 this morning. Didn't show up till nine. It's cool. Whatever. I wasn't ready for him. <laughs> Anyways, that was way more information than anyone
1: cared about. So what are we talking about today, man? Well, so I guess the generic answer is, is what is our responsibility of as parents to uh, teach our kids manners and behaviors and how to act in public? So like social norms, social norms in, I, maybe even a little bit of, have they changed? Have they not changed? Do you know, would
0: etiquette fall into this as well? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. I'm genuinely asking. I'm not trying. It's no. not a leading question counselor.
1: I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's, yeah. So just kind of those sorts of things. And, um, I, you know, if people are willing to give us feedback on this of, um, You know, are things the way they are now the way they should be? Should we go back to the way they were? Are we progressing? But what sort of kind of um, for me brought this to the the forefront was there was a news article that um, I guess sort of went viral in that it 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 got national attention in that um, there's a local community center in one of the suburbs here of Kansas City where they have local artists. their work on display and there was a statue that was in this particular kind of very public area of a community center while the family was there for a wedding reception and the kids were running around as kids will do at a wedding reception Mm -hmm. and ventured into the, um, kind of well ventured into an area that they very much had every right to be. It wasn't like like a lobby. Yeah. It's not a lobby is a good, it's not some
0: (laughs) art wing. It's not, you know, some private club. It's legitimately the room you walk into when you enter the building. Yep. Yeah. Like you walk in, the desk is on your right. All the stuff is off to your left. Yeah. It's just there. Yeah.
1: And so anyway, this, one of the, the children is um, touching uh, a statue and as he's putting his hands on it and it, probably admiring the work that has been done, the statue falls off of its stance, it's basically a bust that's kind of from the waist up and you have like a torso and a head and no arms. And I'm sure we'll put a link to this in the show notes that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but he, he touches it and it, it, it topples down and it falls on top of him. He tries to save it. Bless he does. Kids, to, he does. He does. He has that panic moment. Imagine the terror inside his little brain. And ends up hitting the floor and kind of takes him to the ground as well. And this is all caught on a security camera. But after the event occurs, the the mom and the dad of the little boy get a letter from an insurance company basically saying they owe $132,000 to replace this statue of a local artist. Which, one, I find absolutely ludicrous, but hey, how do you put a price on art, right? Apparently a big
0: one. I yeah. Mean- well, what's funny is in the interview in in you know the video that we'll link to, the mom was like, I don't know, eight hundred bucks, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 goes to show one of two things: either the art was really that bad, yeah. or the mom just doesn't. She's just not an art aficionado and doesn't realize the ludicrous amounts of money that can get paid for for art. Yeah, uh, I have many other thoughts, but yes, continue because I don't want to take us off on a tangent.
1: And so, I I don't know if we'll find the video, but there is definitely an element of these kids are kind of running around free and a little bit, I guess what I would describe as out of control, but at the same time, I don't think it's completely unreasonable if you're a wedding reception for kids to be behaving uh, this way at a community well, yeah, center. The
0: adults are all getting drunk. So yeah. why can't the kids have fun
1: too? <laughs> and so, um, but it was interesting because it got posted on social media as so many things do these days. And there was just a lot of opinion as to whether was, was the mom at fault for letting her kids run this way, mom and dad, I I guess I won't put it just on mom because both parents were there. And then, um, or is there an obligation from the, uh, community center, um, to have better kind of put this in a place where kids couldn't get to it. And I, you know, I, well, and this is the sort of stuff that
0: social media just eats up because you can you can crucify people for the most negligible stuff. Mm-hmm. And I use that word on purpose because the insurance company is charging these people hundred and thirty two thousand dollars because they were negligent in, uh, you know, watching their child. Right.
1: Which is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so my theory on this is I think the city and the insurance company is kind of being on the offensive here of kind of saying, Hey, we owe you $132,000 to repair this statue. And I, I personally believe in the hopes that the family goes, uh, yeah, we'll settle for not having to pay anything and we won't sue you for the injury that occurred to our son. When I personally think they probably could have, they could sue the city just as easily and say, not only are we not paying for our statue, but you're going to give us a hundred thousand dollars for you know, whatever pain and suffering and injury and, and all that kind of stuff. But the, the conversation I think I do want to have with us tonight as, as we talk about dad college and being parents of what, what is our responsibility as parents when we're in public with our kids? And, you know, how do you handle a child that maybe isn't behaving, um, What, what are just kind of the norms in 2018 and have they changed better, worse? And, you know, even as you said, is there's, there's etiquette that's involved and, um, has that gone out the window? Um, does that matter anymore? So, um, I can continue to ramble on. I don't know if you have any thoughts so far as to. Um,
0: No, I have. I have thoughts, but I think they might be better, better placed in. uh, Reference to maybe what you have to say. Okay. I just I think if I just go off on on my soapbox
1: here, it's not going (laughs) to quite deliver as perhaps it should. So I, I guess I'll start with this particular topic then with the kids. What is the expectation of a parent with a child in public and how their child is or isn't allowed to behave? And then I don't know if we've talked about this before or not, but how do you deal with a kid that maybe is throwing a temper tantrum, maybe behaving unruly? But but what are the expectations? Are kids, is this a day and age of, well, uh, I'll put it this way. Once upon a time, there was kind of this mentality of kids should be seen and not heard. And that I do think needs to be gone. Mm -hmm. Kids need to be allowed to be kids. Yeah. And I don't think there's this expectation of children always being perfect little angels in public because that's just not realistic. So what is sort of the, as we take our kids and, um, so let's forget the whole You know, they're at a wedding or anything like that, but just in general, you're in public with your children, whether that be at a restaurant, whether that be at a retail establishment, uh, whether it be a line at the DMV, you're in public with your kids. And is there a certain expectation of you keeping control of your kids in public or your kids behaving in public? Yeah, I mean, personally, yes.
0: Um, but I tend to have high expectations for my kid, mm-hmm. even though she's so young
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's, it's one of the things that I think, uh, so my mother-in-law wasn't, an, was an early childhood development specialist for like her entire career and continues to do that work as, a, as a retiree, uh, volunteering at the church and in doing all this really, really good work in her community. Um, but like I will, Expect things of my one and a half year old or say things to her, you know, that maybe you would say to a two or three year old and she'll respond by saying, oh, she doesn't know what you mean or she's not ready for that. Like and she'll try and correct my parenting based on what she wants. And I'm like, "Okay, that's great. But I have high expectations for my child Mm -hmm. and I am instilling those expectations from an early age. So that when she is two or three, this is not a new behavior or a new expectation. This is what has been expected of her. I don't expect her as a 18 month old not to have temper tantrums. Right. She doesn't have a way to express herself outside of yes, no, mama, dada, and kitty. Like that, those are her words, right? Yeah. She knows more and she knows please signs, uh-huh. but that's it. So she doesn't have a way to express when she's really frustrated or when she's in pain or when she's super tired other than crying. And I understand that, but my expectations that I'm ingraining in our relationship now are that when she's old enough to express herself, that that a temper tantrum is not the correct way to do so. I don't punish her for being upset, but I, I have conversations with her. It's okay. Daddy is here. I've got you. You don't need to yell like, And and trying to calm the situation down, but having conversations, knowing full well, she can't respond. Mm -hmm. And so I personally have expectations of her and any future children we have that they are going to, from an early age, understand what is expected of them and what is not. Yeah. And that might just be me being a new dad and being totally naive to the whole situation. But, like, I think it's completely fair to have expectations in for your children to know what they are early on mm-hmm. because that gives you a basis for discipline when they are misbehaving, but also a, a basis for encouraging them and congratulating them for behaving well yeah. when they could have easily, you know, gone off the deep end. Yeah. So like, I don't see it as, you know, what I'm doing now as like an immediate results thing. I see it as I'm laying a, a consistent foundation with my kid that in the coming years will come to fruition, mm-hmm. and that's just kind of my approach. I could be totally wrong in how I'm doing it because it's my first time around, and you know, that's kind of the, the vibe I get sometimes from you know my mother-in-law with certain things. But like, it makes sense in my brain, so I
1: I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, I. I- So I will say, I think you brought up two very good points. And I think the first one is, is that all children from the time they're born crying is how they communicate. And so there's an element of a tantrum, quote unquote, temper tantrum, or, you know, being emotional is how they communicate with the world. And so I think that's, that is one of the things that's very, that is incredibly valid. And as a parent, we need to remember that. Early communication is very um, basic, and so we can't expect a newborn <laughs> to, um, to yeah. not do that. But 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 clearly, there is that transition at some point. Mm-hmm. And then I think the second thing that you said uh, that is very valid, and, and I actually agree with you, is this idea of I am going to communicate my expectation to my children. I'm going to start showing them what that is well before they can actually do it because I know they understand a lot more than what they can necessarily respond to. Absolutely. And so that's the first thing is you're, you're setting that kind of, and then uh, the second piece is, is, is if you wait until you actually think they can respond to you, well, it's too late.
0: Yeah. And and it's too late and you're, You know, you're a Sisyphus, you're pushing the rock up the hill. Mm -hmm. Like you're just fighting a a, a harder battle than if you start young. Yeah. And you deal with, as you said, the temper tantrums, because that's their way to communicate. Mm -hmm. Something is not right. And the only way I know how to tell that to you is to scream or cry. Yeah. And you you comfort them. But yeah, you set the example of like, you need to recognize the comfort and the safety here you need to you need to listen to what i'm saying because like even in uh, kennedy's bath today she could say mama she could say dada she could say kitty she can kind of say dog i say, yes, she'd nod her head, yes. I said, no, she'd nod her head, no. I said, please, she'd rub her chest more. And then, oh, where's your hair? She rubs her head. Like, she can't say it. But she knows. I'll say, yeah. hey, did you poop your diaper? She'll go, yeah. <laughs> do you want daddy to fix it? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then she'll run up the stairs, open the gate, run into her room, and stand at the base of her changing table waiting for me to pick yeah. her up and change her diaper. Hey, do you want to go outside? Mm-hmm. And she'll run to the door and wait for me to open the door. Like, she is so perceptive and so understanding she just does not have the ability to respond like she will in a year yeah so you know i you know i try to treat her uh in ways that allow her to prepare for when she is able to respond because she'll have that consistency she'll know what's expected of her that doesn't mean she won't lose her mind no oh yeah or that i won't lose mine yeah but there's at least an understanding of what's expected of her. And it's not like kids are so smart. Mm -hmm. She, I mean, she's figured out so much stuff just on her own without even me having to (laughs) explain it to her. She's so observant. She's so calculated in how she understands what's going on. Yeah. Like, so I try and push her even from this young age to like, just lean into that. Be more observant. Be more clever. Be yeah. more uh, with what's happening. Understand your surroundings. Because when she comes of age, she'll be better off for it, I think. Mm. I'm going to be in trouble, but
2: she'll be better off for it.
1: Yeah. So I I think the other piece of this, too, is is that um I think girls are different than boys mm-hmm. as much as the world wants to not make that true. It's um, I think it's fairly obvious that boys are different than girls. And I even think the number of kids that you have can definitely play a dynamic. And I even think how many kids you have and how close they are in age can be a dynamic. So me, a dad of two girls when they were young who are four years apart in public, I had to say very little to them. Like they were well-behaved and they would do their thing. And I would like to take a lot of credit for that, but uh, I just don't think I can because I honestly think that two girls who are four years apart are much different than two boys who are four years, three years, two years, or a year and a half apart. And I think there's this synergy that comes from boys being, well, boys in general are just I know me personally, when I was little, I hear stories from my aunts and my grandma about how I was. And I was like this little terror for all of them. But then you multiply that with another little boy. And I think they just feed off of each other. And so I think even in that, there's kind of this expectation of, you know, a couple of little boys that are a year, year and a half apart are going to behave very differently than two little girls that are three or four years apart. Uh, I do personally think, that come kindergarten. So maybe around year five, you really need to be able to tell your children, this is not the place where you are going to be a maniac. This Mm -hmm. is the place where you are going to not be completely out of control. And you need to show some manners and you need to behave here. Now, Granted, I I get that's easier said than done, but if I'm out in public and I see you have a child that,
2: uh, clearly can talk, uh, is very
1: active, um, can understand beginning comprehension of right and wrong, not saying they completely have a, you know, in-depth discussion and, grasp of what right and wrong is but it's like okay i shouldn't do this i will get in trouble if i do this and i think by the age five or six you really are starting to understand that um for me personally if i'm on public and you have children my expectation is is you should be able to tell your child this is not the place for you to be out of control and running free and acting like a maniac in certain situations is not appropriate But I don't know. Is that easier said than done? And I'm not going to say that I've completely been on top of what my children are doing at all time. Mm -hmm. But. Well, I
0: think, yeah, I think there's a few things. Um, I think it part of it is on the parent for like,
1: you know, most meltdowns you see are like in the grocery store or the shopping mall. Well, I'm even saying before the meltdown happens, oh. I'm just saying in general, if your kids are just running oh yeah, yeah, and touching things and being where they shouldn't be in that mm-hmm. sort of a thing. So I think, yeah,
0: I agree. I think part of it is timing. Don't take your kids to the store when it's nap time.
1: Yes. And we've talked about that. That is true. Because they're going to lose their minds. Yeah.
0: Because they want to sleep mm-hmm. and they're in a metal cart with the hard plastic <laughs> butt thing on there. Yeah. Like that just, you know. Go shopping later mm. or have some forethought and, you know, go beforehand. Um, but secondarily, yeah. So like I think there oh, I don't I wanna I wanna say this, but I don't want to be a total judgmental jerk. So you said earlier there was a time when kids should or were,
1: you know, seen and not heard. What what sort of era would you pin that on? I personally think my upbringing, I was on the end of that. Okay. Like there was definitely a, um, so that would be the early seventies of, and again, I think, I think it was, things were changing a little bit and, but, um, so my era and before sixties and the fifties and then early seventies. And I think it's even loosened up since then, but, Kids were not I, I i i mean i just i particularly remember dealing with my dad and my dad's friends of just like you didn't you just kept your mouth shut and you behaved <laughs> when you were in a public mm-hmm. in a public place, and i'm talking not just little kid but just sort of elementary school kind of uh a,
2: age so yeah so the reason I asked that
0: um is because I'm just and this is just a total hypothesis I've got it's totally anecdotal I have no you know data to back this up but I just wonder like how much of today's societal issues you know Mm -hmm. like everyone's included and it doesn't matter what your thing is it's totally fine and if you want to be the way that you are, that's exactly how you're meant to be. And it's totally okay. Like how much of that is a response to what you grew up with, of parents raising kids who don't want to be like their parents were, and their kids just have carte blanche to do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah. Just, just a thought.
2: Like how much of that is just a generational rebound to the complete other side? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. when you said it earlier, I had that thought. So.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think there's some of that. There's certainly some of that. And I know me personally, it's, um, there are things that I do as a parent because I'm like, well, I'm not going to do what my parents did with this because it seemed unfair to me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I'm sure they probably see me doing that and they're like, how dare you? Or not. How dare you? But why would you think that's okay? Or why do you let your kids do that? And, um, I don't know. Blind leading the blind. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, I guess here's one of the things that I personally still think is important is I think it is, we live in a world where you need to teach your kids to say please and to say thank you. And I feel like I have observed that becoming not the case. And I was very much raised with, you said, "Please, you said thank you now, as far as I know, there may have been kids my age that didn't do those things, and because I was that age, I was clueless of it uh but having my own children, it seems to me even between my oldest daughter and my youngest daughter, which I have girls that are four years apart, and then a little boy who's um I don't what is he five or six years younger than his sister, so five years younger than his sister um no almost six uh is the, the frequency with which I don't ever hear a thank you from my daughter's friends. And that drives me crazy. Particularly when, so like I get the whole, you give kids a ride in terms of, you know, picking them up from a school event or a soccer or sporting or something like that. I get that happens. But like the one for me is a big deal that if I buy your child dinner and I feed them or lunch or, you know, whatever, I really think your child should go. Thank you. And I've experienced that, that that does not happen. Well, and where we live, if it doesn't happen here,
0: you know, what's not happening elsewhere. I, I don't know. I know. <laughs> like we live in the heartland yeah. as they call it. Right. Yeah. That's the name of your church after yeah. all, <laughs> like if, if common, courtesy like that is gone here with that generation you know it's long gone yeah and that's not a judgment on on the coasts it's just reality yeah things tend to be a little nicer a little more even if it's totally fake (laughs) things tend to be a little nicer here people may cuss you out behind your back but to your face they're gonna say oh hi how are you how's your day going lovely to see you right we still have that sort of midwestern uh friendliness, even if it's fake here. So if that's gone here with those kids, you know, it's
1: yeah. And so, you know, I, the the please and thank you is a big thing for me and I just feel like I've experienced that less here recently. Uh, The other thing that drives me crazy and I see this particularly with young adults, millennials who are entering in the workforce is this, um, I grew up kind of the respecting the space of an elder. And so if I arrived at a door at the same time as somebody that was older than me, I would hold the door for them and I would allow them to go or, you know, passing in a hallway or a tight space, I would let them go. And I feel like personally, I see a lot of the younger folks pushing past somebody Mm -hmm. that they shouldn't be pushing past versus kind of stepping back and going, no, you, you go ahead and go. Now, if that adult stops and says, no, you're fine. Great. And, and you know, the, the other thing, too, is the whole, um, and I'm jumping here, but uh, referring to somebody as Mr. or Mrs. or whatever. And I I didn't, that's something I didn't teach my children. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't teach my children, oh, you need to refer to so-and-so as Mr. or Mrs., or ma'am, or sir, until they tell you otherwise. So I may have dropped the ball when it comes to that sort of thing. But it's it, it certainly, I am much more relaxed when it comes to that. Uh, even though I, that's something that I was taught to do.
0: Yeah, I don't think they ever referred
1: to me as Mr. Cam. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually like, oh, hey. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm cool with. Um, but even that's okay, but I, I definitely was taught you refer to an adult by Mr. So-and-so until they tell you, mm-hmm. you don't have to call him. Oh, that's
0: Mr. how I was raised too. Like my dad was my youth pastor mm-hmm. and everyone else in the youth group had to call him Kevin. I had to call him dad. I could <laughs> not call Like I was like totally socially ostracized. Um, that's really, that was an over, over dramatization. I wasn't ostracized, but you know, that's how I felt. Um, so here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. So like this idea of etiquette, right? So like they have like etiquette dinners where like you have to place the silverware in certain spaces Mm -hmm. and you only like, that's all just straight up made up, right? Someone decided those are the rules and they've enforced them as such. And if you don't follow their set of rules, you don't have etiquette, which I think is total BS, right? It's just an excuse to be extra fancy and for the extra fancy people to look down on those that aren't extra fancy. Yes. But I'm not, I don't know if that, Uh, that train of thought like does that apply elsewhere like is is saying please and thank you and calling someone mr and mrs and and kind of you know opening the door for other people like is that just a basic uh human courtesy or is that etiquette that someone made up when you were a kid or earlier that has now just finally phased out like how do we determine that i guess is my question yeah I hold the door for people as often as I can because it's just a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. But like, is that required of me as a basic human inter- interaction? I like, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to be like snarky here. I'm just trying to figure out like when we come at these things, like obviously we're coming with the bias of how we were raised. Exactly. Good or bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good or bad. But like, how do we determine is that just a generational thing or is that just like, no, that's just like a legitimately nice thing to do. Cause this, the water tends to get murky around this stuff because mm-hmm. you have some people that don't care, mm-hmm. you know, some people that are going to die on their, you know, swords for the stupid salad fork being in the right spot. Yeah. So I, I, whatever that was, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, how do we, how do we determine like, what should we, cause it's one thing to expect it of our children. If we raise them in a certain way, it's another thing to expect it of a stranger. Mm hmm. And so how do we, like, how do we gauge that is, I guess, where, where I'm coming
1: to. Well, it's funny as you're saying that, because, you know, personally, I have, I'm kind of like you, I have biases in that in terms of like, when it comes to etiquette, Mm -hmm. like I, I, again, it's, it's, it feels like it's this artificial rule that has been placed on me as to which fork I do or don't use. Uh, for that matter, which side of the plate my fork or my spoon is oh, on. Which... I put
0: my elbows on the table all the time just to see how people react. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. It's yeah. a total like uh, social experiment I play. I put my elbows on the table just to see, <laughs> see if to it's see someone's which... like
1: twitching in the corner. And so that's an etiquette thing for me. And again, my bias, but yet I think it's important for mm-hmm. the please and the thank you in the and even in the whole, like getting the door thing, I, I don't even know that you have to hold the door or even yield to other people. But it's this, I I kind of put it in that category of people are consumed by their phone and their, their gadgets that they kind of are not self-aware that there's others around them. And so Um. I guess my answer to you is, even as I feel like what's important and what's not important, that's kind of arbitrary to what this guy sitting in front of the microphone is saying is important versus, uh, culturally, what, what do we think is important? Um, you know, um, one of the things that's, that's come to my mind that is a little bit of a tangent here is, um, my daughter plays soccer and they played soccer one time where they always do the national Anthem. Every game, they play the National Anthem still. And um, one day the recording for the National Anthem wasn't working. And the girls... They
0: millie-vanillied it.
1: (laughs) But but girls on both sides of the team started singing the National Anthem and Mm -hmm. the parents joined in. And kind of what you were talking about, like I wondered how many places in the country would that still happen? And there's nothing like... I mean, you and I've had this discussion, maybe not so much on this podcast, but when we do the master class and that sort of thing of, you know, nationalism and patriotism, does that get elevated to a place that it doesn't totally deserve? But at the same time, I was kind of like, I was like, that's pretty cool that these teenage girls know the national anthem and took it upon themselves t- to sing it. Now, you know, had somebody taken a video of it and had it gone viral, I probably would have been completely uh, disgusted by that.
0: But Yeah, because they're taking something and bending it to their narrative. But I thought it was
1: very cool that these teenage girls felt it was worthy to say, well, we're not going to just skip the national anthem. We're going to go ahead and sing it. Because I think there's an element of in all of this, I guess what sort of, for me, is the underlying, not so much America and, you know, our patriotism and all that sort of thing, but is this idea of, I'm not the most important person in the room. There's something bigger than me and there's something bigger than me that I'm a part of. And that's, that's sort of what I guess I'm desiring for my kids to have is this, this idea of um, I, I'm part of a community. I'm part of um, a culture. I'm part of, you know, it, 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 I'm not the most important person thing in the, in the room. And I guess that's where that, if I had to sum up the whole etiquette versus uh, manners and being polite or rude really boils down for me is I want to see my kids. And I think parents in general should help their kids understand that
2: the world is bigger than them. Agreed.
1: And I think that's probably one of the things that comes from learning to say please and thankful, thank you and uh, being grateful for opportunities and things that you experience. And
2: um, I think social
1: media, don't want to completely go down this tangent, but I think social media is one of the things that has kind of ruined all that of people thinking that the world kind of revolves around them.
0: Everyone can be a star, Dave. So, please tell me what you had for lunch. No, <laughs> show me a photo. Show instead. it to, to me a
1: picture. Of
0: <laughs> Hashtag yumtastic.
2: <laughs> so. All right. Uh, any other thoughts? Uh, it, it, you know, I.
1: Yeah, I guess the other thing too is. I think implicit in your kids not running around and being out of control is kind of that whole sort of you as a parent need to be aware that you and your convenience is not the most important thing. And there are times where your, your children need to just sort of be quiet and behave and do what's expected of them. And I think people know the difference between a parent who's not engaging with their ch- children and their children just running crazy and a parent that is just having a bad day with a kid that is not being.
0: Not if they're an insurance company, they don't. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because I think that's even the other part of it, is that, you know, we all get kids being cranky. We all mm-hmm. get kids being unruly and misbehaving and children should allow to be Children, But I also think people can kind of go, yeah, you're not engaged with your child the way you should be. And um, I think that's, that's probably kind of the biggest thing I would just say is just encourage parents to, um, and this is uh, kind of one of the things that I realized as kids get older and they go through middle school and high school, I see parents who are more worried about being liked by their parent, by their children and being their kid's friend than they are about really being a parent. And I guarantee if you want your kids to like you and respect you, especially post teenage years, the best way you can do that is to be consistent with them in what your expectations are with them and to be firm with them in those expectations. Because I see it in my own kids where um, there are times to give grace and there's times to kind of let things go But it's also sort of like, hey, I have to point out to them, look, your mom and I did this and we allowed you to do this and this is how you repaid us. And if that's going to be the case, then you're not going to do that anymore. And so, um, you know, my daughter is 17 and a half and I very much have started treating her like an adult, but I have to point to her sometimes of just saying, if you can't handle this yet, then we'll go back to the way it used to be. And sometimes we do that. And sometimes she goes, okay, I get it. I need to change my behavior. And so it's kind of a both ways. You don't just, you know, um, you have to modify, um, according to what you're seeing, uh, your kids doing. So, and to sound like a broken record, uh, it all comes back down to being involved with your kids, not being passive, not being absentee, but being present with them and engaging with them. That's,
0: that's kind of the thesis of this entire podcast. So yeah,
1: I would agree if we, if we didn't
0: keep coming back to that, then I think we'd be (laughs) doing something wrong. So, yep. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to uh, the latest episode of the dad college of the, no, just dad college. There's no the there. What am I doing? Anyways, uh, show notes can be found in your podcast app. Just slide up, down, left or right somewhere. I don't know. I mean, depends but, on your app. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Katie, Rachel, and Willby for being patrons of my lovely podcast network, uh, show notes. You can get in contact with us. You can Twitter, email, Patreon, watch the video. It's actually kind of funny. I feel bad for the kid. <laughs> I really do um yeah i guess until next time that's the worst sign off i've ever had (laughs) bye bye